Extraordinary districts in extraordinary times. Hi, this is Karen Chenoweth. I'm from the Education Trust, a national education advocacy organization that works to ensure that all children get a great education no matter what their background. My colleague Tanji Reed Marshall is taking a breather but should be back soon. In this podcast, we talk with educators we know are thoughtful to hear how they are meeting the unprecedented challenge of educating children during the twin crises of a worldwide pandemic and a national reckoning over deeply entrenched racial injustice. In the spring of 2020, we talked with Vincent Romano, principal of Malvern High School in Nassau County, New York, and he talked about the kinds of things he was doing to prepare to reopen his school. We're back to hear how that's going, but first I just want to give you a little background about Malvern. It's a little east of Queens in Nassau County, New York, and serves a student body that is mostly African American and Hispanic. It not only graduates just about all its students, it graduates most students with advanced diplomas, meaning that students have successfully completed a college preparatory curriculum. It has been recognized by the College Board for its advanced placement program, and there's a lot of other great stuff about it. If you're interested in learning more, I have a chapter about Malvern in my last book, Schools That Succeed, published by Harvard Education Press in 2017. I'm really happy to say that for this conversation, Dr. Romano has been joined by one of Malvern's counselors, Donna Bailey, social studies teacher Brian China, English teacher Anastasia Caputo, and two students, a junior, Kayla George, and a senior, Jean-Luc Thompson. Normally, I would have wanted to talk with everyone about how you are coping with the pandemic and how you're able to move forward in teaching and learning, I would have wanted to talk about schedules and grading policies and how you're overcoming all the obstacles that have been put in your way this year, and I still want to talk about those things. But we're talking on January 12th, less than one week after a violent mob disrupted the working of the American government. I know educators around the country are thinking about how to teach about those events and help their students process what we all saw on television and in social media. I can't think of a group of people I'd rather talk about this with than folks from Malvern because I know how thoughtful you are and what you have to say will be helpful to educators and others around the country. Dr. Romano, before you were a principal, you were a social studies teacher, and I know that's where your heart is. And Brian China, you're currently a social studies teacher. On Wednesday night, what did you think about what you would say the next day about what had happened? Yeah, I'll say it was certainly overwhelming. Um, you know, I think the first thing is to come to terms with your own feelings and my own thought process of what was going on. And I think it was during that time you start to realize, you know, when you want to talk to the students, I think you, you need to do just that with them. So, you know, I, I walked into Mr. China's class first thing in the morning. Um, I think he might have expected me to come in, um, but I knew he wouldn't miss the opportunity to speak about it. 
Um, he's amazing with his students and his conversation was very natural. So I did have the chance to sit in with Mr. China um, and talk a little bit about the historical pieces. You, know, you talk about impeachment. Um, you talk about the 25th Amendment. Um, you talk about democracy and, and democracy can be messy. Um, a little bit later in the day, I had the opportunity uh, to teach a full class with Mr. Whalen. And I found this amazing PowerPoint that showed some pictures, you know, and, and um, the pictures followed up with, what do you think? How do you feel? And what do you wonder? And I could tell you the stuff that came out of students' mouths was mind blowing. Um, but also, you know, there was, there was an opportunity and we do a news literacy program through SUNY Stony Brook, which is amazing and so important. Um, if you saw on, on, on YouTube or maybe it was Twitter or whatever it was, there was this woman, Elizabeth, who was in the revolution as she called it. And I, it was mind blowing as you watched her talk about the revolution. It's a revolution. And as if we all should have been storming the Capitol. And it occurred to me too that, you know, these people really believe, you know, I, I think they really believe uh, that the election was stolen and they really believe there's a revolution and they really believe what they're doing is the right thing. And, you know, we talked to the students about, you know, this is the information age. It's information overload. And the dangers of so much information and trying to discern what's fabricated and what's real. So, you know, we talked a little bit about that and uh, the historical piece uh, was natural. But Mr. China, why don't you talk a little bit? I know we had the opportunity to do uh, your class together in the morning and I appreciate that always. You always welcome me into your class. Uh, but we had some fun there too. Yeah, I mean, look, it was a challenge. Uh, you know, I, I'm watching that, you know, unfold last Wednesday afternoon into the evening. Um, you know, I first had to kind of come to grips with what was going on and how I felt about it. And teaching history for the last 17 years, there's nothing historic about what happened. Uh, that has never happened before. Um, you know, and a lot of my students actually were sending me messages and sending me updates and making sure that I knew what was going on, uh, which I always appreciate, which is kind of a great relationship I have with them, that they would want to make sure that their history teacher uh, knows what's going on. Um, and those of you guys in John Luke and Kelly can probably nod your head in agreement. I don't like to give up teaching time. I love to cover content. I love to work every day. Uh, but clearly when something like this happens, we have to, to take a second uh, to acknowledge it and address it. And, you know, I think for me, I really kind of had three goals. I wanted to kind of let the kids know what factual information we had at that moment. Uh, because as Dr. Mano said, you have, everyone has their own facts now. You know, you have different sides who truly believe what they believe in. So I wanted to kind of pass along any of the, you know, irrefutable facts that I had. Uh, I want to give students the opportunity to kind of talk and voice some of their thoughts and their feelings and what they were thinking and going through as they watch this. And I want to give them the opportunity to, to ask questions, uh, okay. to get in clarification. Um, and, and, you know, in some of my classes, we had more conversation than others. Um, and in both classes, I told students, hey, listen, if, you, if any questions come to you later on, feel free to shoot me a message. Um, and then we followed up with it a few days later and we'll certainly follow up with it over the next week and a half because, I mean, what we're experiencing right now is history. And I think it's important that we acknowledge that. We make our students aware of what's going on. And we give them the opportunity to voice how they feel as well as ask any questions they might have. Well, Ms. Caputo, uh, they're the social studies teachers, but you also do this uh, as part of your English uh, curriculum. You're, you're also helping students understand the world as it is and how it has been. Um, did you also talk about the events or did you just 
keep on with the the book you were reading? No, actually, uh, I did open the classes um, by asking students if they wanted to share any feelings about what happened, any observations that they had. We happen to be reading A Raisin in the Sun right now as a class in my 12 AP Lit class. Um, so we're learning about racial injustice and what society was like in the late 1950s in the U.S. And uh, so it, 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 you know, it kind of connected in that way. But listen, even if we weren't reading that work, I think I use all literature as a jumping off point to teach kids to think independently, to ask questions, to see different perspectives. And um, that's what we talked about when we came in is what, what did we see? How did we feel about it? Um, we talked about activism. I mean, I teach seniors who are going to be in college campuses soon, um, you know, and I just kind of listened to what they had to say and um, we reflected a little bit and then you know, I reminded them that information is power and they're going to be on college campuses soon and maybe feel more empowered to make change and, you know, um, engage in some kind of activism themselves. Uh, so I want them paying attention. And as Mr. China said, I think part of our job as English teachers, all teachers, but as an English teacher is to teach students to make sure that what they're reading and what they're hearing is credible. You know, so we have kind of the TikTok generation here where they're saying, well, I learned on TikTok and I have to say, well, that's not really a credible source. Right. So we got a little bit to talking about that in some of my classes as well. Um, so it really does tie together. And the kids had really insightful, uh, powerful things to say. You know, they're they're in high school and they are seeing things unfold. Uh, so we, we couldn't ignore it. You know, so we definitely talked about it. And, uh, and like Mr. China said, we'll come back to it when we see hopefully a peaceful transition, but when we see what unfolds over the next few weeks here. Well, Jean-Luc uh, Thompson, you're one of her seniors who's, will you be in college next year? Yes, that that's the plan <laughs> to be that's in college the plan. next year. Do you, yes. do you know where yet? Uh, no, I, I'm waiting, currently waiting for responses back from colleges, waiting to be accepted, yes. Um, so what was the conversation like when you got to school um, that you, that morning, when, uh, Thursday morning, uh, and and did you feel like going to school actually helped you process what had happened? Um, that's so. When I went into school, it was kind of this weird elephant in the room, right? Uh, it happened, but nobody really wanted to bring it up. Um, but Miss Caputo. Uh, she's my first class of the day. So she kind of, she opened the class up and I was sort of hesitant at first, but more people started talking and then I started becoming more comfortable and I, vo and I voiced my opinion on the situation. Um, I did, I think that really did help a lot with my processing of what had happened because what happened was utterly ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but I think what really helped is later on in the day in my government class, um, as Dr. Romano mentioned before, the news literacy program that we have, um, we were using that as, we were using what happened on at the Capitol as a way to further our knowledge with news literacy. Because in situations like that, when, when stuff like that happens, there's a lot of information flooding around, especially on social media, like Ms. Caputo said, TikTok and everything. Um, so we kind of use that as a way to further all no our knowledge and be informed citizens as we learn about situations that happen like this and situations that will happen in the future. So uh, Kayla, can you, 
jump in. You're a junior, so you're in Mr. China's class. Um, did how are your fellow students kind of processing all this? And how are you processing, not, not just your fellow students, but you? Well, on Thursday, I actually was one of the virtual students. I didn't go in until Friday, but both classes, we talked about it. On Thursday, it kind of seemed like a little tense. Like there were clearly opinions that were different opinions that everybody had in the class and everybody shared a little bit, but it wasn't as much because the bigger classes had class on Friday, but Friday, I was actually one of the students who was there when China and Romano talked about um, what had happened. And to me, it was just really embarrassing and kind of terrifying to know that like people were actually able to get into our US Capitol. They threatened our senators and even like the pictures with the Confederate flag, which threatens, it's threatening towards African-Americans. Um, it has like a negative history behind it. And there were actually people out there with like Nazi t-shirts that like threatened Jews. And it was, it was a terrifying event to have witnessed, even like through social media, through the news, it was terrifying to think of. And it was embarrassing that this was even able to happen that our president allowed this to happen, kind of incited it. And honestly, it was just shocking. I had came, I was, I just finished class and I was actually relaxing on my couch when my dad came home and turned on the news. And it was like chaotic. And it's surprising like that this was even able to happen. And I, I'm actually like speechless. It's it's terrifying and embarrassing as a country. And yeah, I think that kind of that kind of sums it up. Embarrassing and a little bit terrifying. <laughs> I think I think those words kind of kind of uh, sum it all up. The um, uh, and and you know you're bringing out some of the historical uh, references that were made during the during the riot, um, and the more we see, like. It actually didn't look as terrifying on Wednesday as it does today. As as more and more video comes out, <coughs> some of, of some of the actions. So, Ms. Bailey, you're the school counselor, or a school counselor. Mm -hmm. um, you deal with trauma all the time. What? <laughs> I mean, can, do you have counseling words for us? <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, in agreement with um, all that I've said it before, when I first heard about it, when I first saw it, it took a moment to actually digest. You had to register what was actually going on. Um, being an other adult, you know, you, you haven't seen this at all in history, as Brian China said. You have not seen this at all. Uh, Ms. Caputo also said it. This is history being made. So, again, having to digest it and then being able to then say, wow, you know, we're counselors here and we're the ones that are always making sure that everyone is okay, whether it be the students, sometimes the teachers come in, you know, our staff. But sometimes we have to reflect on how we're going to deal with it to be able to deal with it with others. I have to say that, yes, it was stressful. It was trauma. And compared to COVID, yes, that brought about the stress, that brought about the trauma, you know, with the past series of events from, you know, of course, us with the COVID to George Floyd to Breonna Taylor to the election disputes to, you know, like Ms. Caputo said, we had protests going on. 
we've dealt with a lot of series of events. And what I found with the students, they're asking why, what's going on, what's happening. So I've had students that are virtually home that can't even get out the bed. You know, I have students that want to come here just because they need the social aspect. So for us here in the guidance office, we actually want to be able to extend that safety net. This, the school is a safety net, especially when they come here to the guidance office. Sometimes they have no agenda. They just want to be here. It's a comfort zone. The feeling of being normal, the normalcy of life. We know that it's out there. We know that it's going on. We can't change what happened, but how we reflect with it and how we approach it and how we deal with it makes a whole lot of difference in regard to how we deal with it later. So that's what I tell students. You know, the feeling of uncertainty is normal and it's just a matter of let's walk through it step by step. Can we change it? Absolutely not. But they do feel better when they leave here and then they come back the next day to feel, you know, get a little bit more encouragement. So yes, um, in regard to the counseling session, uh, counseling words, um, you know, we a hug, even though we can't do that, it's a virtual hug, and just words of encouragement, you know, and like we said before, the panel said, understanding history and understanding, you know, the election and demography, democracy, everyone will have different opinions. One is not right or one is not wrong. It is your perception of how you feel. So, so we've kind of alluded to it, but, um, but, but let's actually talk about how you guys are handling the pandemic because, um, uh, Kayla, you said you weren't in school the day after you were in school the, the day after the day after. So, um, as I understand it, you've got a third of kids doing completely remote and then a third and then two thirds of kids doing hybrid one third on alternate days. Do I have that right? Yeah, about a little over 30% um, who are 100% virtual. And then our hybrid students alternate. So it's about that, yeah. So Kayla, you're hybrid. Yeah. I think, I, I, I hesitate to say you're a hybrid kid. That's, that's a terrible <laughs> thing to say. Um, Jean-Luc, are you also attending hybrid? Yes. Yes, so, so you both are alternating days. Why did you make the decision to go hybrid and not virtual? Well, I chose to um, do hybrid learning because I personally know that I get distracted very easily, especially when I'm at home. It's Even if I have my face completely on the camera, it's very easy for me to get distracted by things like my phone or even like talking to my family members. Um, it's extremely easy. I also really need that face-to-face -face contact with my teachers. It helps me adjust to them more, like adapt to the environment more. And I become more comfortable, which really allows me to voice my opinions or like participate in class when we're in school. Whereas if I'm at home, I don't really get that connection with the teachers. It's kind of awkward. And you usually don't participate because it's like everybody's just kind of staring at you. Whereas when you're in school, it doesn't feel like that. Friends of yours, I assume, went remote. Um, and are you able to keep up with them? Are you able to keep in touch with them? There's, when it comes to being hybrid or being completely virtual, um, the effects on the student, it varies on a student by student basis. So I, as a completely virtual student, I wouldn't, I wouldn't function well as a completely virtual, where some of my friends are doing completely fine as completely virtual students. 
Um, so I think it depends on what kind of student we are, um, what kind of student that person is, you know? I am the kind of person who needs to be in school because there's a certain, there's an atmosphere that comes with school that helps me focus a lot more. And cu coupled with the fact that my home is supposed to be an escape from school. So having to bring school home is kind of like an intrusion, you know? So I went hybrid because I knows. needed, <laughs> right, right. It's, <laughs> it's just, you need, well, I needed that. I need that face. Like Kayla said, it's, it's different being in school. And, and the, the precautions that are taken, the mask, the, whatever you're doing, the mask, the shields, the, the um, plexiglass or whatever is in place, they don't detract from being in school? No, not really. <laughs> they I think, I think uh, it's just kind of, I know they need to be there for safety. So I, I'm trying not, I'm trying not to let it bother me too much. Um, it is kind of weird not being able to see people's faces. I walk down the hallway and then wonder who somebody is because I can't see like the bottom half of their face. So there's that sort of weird disconnect. But um, other than that, it's not really that, it, it's not that bad. What about for the teachers, um, Ms. Caputo and Mr. China? Um, I, I'm going to jump on what John Luke said because I think really what he said really exemplifies everything that we've done at Malvern. Um, it's not an ideal situation. We wish it wasn't the situation, but we're making the best of it. And I really, and I, I, I say this all the time and people don't want to hear anymore. I think Malvern from the top to the bottom to the students, I think we're doing an amazing job. And, you know, we met you a few years ago when you came to our school and we told you then that the secret to our success was building relationships, working hard, holding kids to standards. And, you know, the way I teach my kids, where the kids are, that has changed a little bit with this pandemic. But those core values that we've always had have not changed. We're still connecting with our students, whether it be every other day in person or even the ones who are at home. We're still holding them to high standards. We're still working extremely hard. And the kids have bought into it. Um, you know, I can speak for myself in AP Assist history. Um, I'm four days behind where I was last year, uh, which I think is remarkable. We have been remote over 15 days. We started school later for PD. We've had all these challenges. We had a snow day in the mix. For us to be where we are is a testament to everything we've put in place. Um, and really, we've been safe. There's been no, you know, no spreading to speak of in school. Um, so look, I mean, that's what we do at Malvern. We, we not ideal. I miss the kids. I can't wait for them to come back. Um, but under these circumstances, we're making it work. What about you, Ms. Caputo? Yeah, I mean, I, everything Mr. China said for sure. I mean, I, and, and John Luke can attest to this because he's seen it happen. I've been teaching for 22 years. So I'm on the, on the, um, you know, the other side of this. Uh, I've been keeping up with technology my whole career, but I will be honest and say that this year has been a little challenging for my brain and Jean-Luc can, can nod and say that he knows what I'm talking about. But, um, you know, having three devices open, making sure that you get all of the kids to participate when they're home, you want them to be part of the conversation as well. You have to, you know, incorporate um, all the kids at the same time. So you don't want to ignore anybody. Um, and so it's been a little of a, of a, 
what's the right word? I don't want to say challenge because I think everybody's saying that it's challenging in that regard. You know, I think for me, we miss the kids. That's the biggest part, the kids who are home hundred percent, but then, you know, you'll, you'll go to your computer and there's emails from kids and they write me a whole page saying like you said this today and I wanted to say this and we have great kids. They're patient. They are supportive. I mean, I don't know if they, if they ever hear us really say that I thank them all the time because I, I'm, if you had to be stuck with any group of kids, I feel like we have the best kids because they're just very flexible. They're very patient. They're doing what they have to do. The ones who aren't will acknowledge that they're not and they'll, they'll come through for you. You know, if you reach out to them and you're like, what's going on? I just think it's just, it's a great place for that reason. I can't say it enough. I always talk about how amazing our kids are. Um, and I mean that, I don't think they get credit. Yes. We're all working hard. It's definitely challenging, um, but I couldn't do what I do, you know, even as flawed as I am with having three devices open and forgetting where I am and where this is and where that book went without the kids that I have. So we're just very lucky and the support all around the teacher support, the administrative support that we have. Um, and just, it is what it is. So I, my greatest wish is to be back a hundred percent. And until we get there, I honestly have very few complaints. And I will also give a shout out to our tech department. Our tech people have been ridiculously amazing. Even the kids said today that the person who works in the high school should get like a gift. They're like, can we chip in and buy him something? Like, that's what I mean. They are, if he doesn't quit first. The kids are aware, you know, they're like, if he didn't show up, we'd be in so much trouble. You know, like the kids are just really honest and, and just the best. And I hope John Luke and Kayla don't go back and tell everybody I said that because I don't want to give everybody a big You know, Karen, just for your listeners, they're making it sound far too easy, I have to say. Um, You know, their passion and genuine love for children and their willingness to adapt has been overwhelming. And, uh, you know, there's no secret, Mr. China, let me teach his class here and there. We try and get every year at least once, at least once. And, um, you know, I wanted to get a feel of what it was like for teachers to be up there and, and, and to navigate through so I can understand a little bit more. And I know Kayla, I think I taught one of your classes and uh, I was running around like a chicken without a head. I was sweating. I was pressing the wrong buttons. I Let the record on. show that Kayla and, uh, is yeah, laughing. I got a good laugh. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, what Mr. China said at the end, and I, and I thought it kind of put everything together. He said, he said, you know, you look like me three weeks ago or a month ago when I first started. He said, you actually get, get a hang of it. Um, so I, I think they're making it sound too easy. You know, I think they've, they've really uh, jumped in the mix. You know, they, they've been a critical part of a lot of the decision making and how we can better support them from getting microphones to speakers, um, you know, to, to trying to utilize the best programs and, and making that stuff accessible. Uh, but you guys make it sound easy. I mean, you guys are awesome. And again, it's passion. And uh, there's so much to complain about. It's so easy to just get caught complaining. And, uh, you know, our teachers haven't done that. And, um, you know, we just remind ourselves as a takeaway is like, don't, let's not look at what we lost or what we've gained. You know, the guidance department um, has adapted. You know, they've done it. Why don't you talk a little bit about how you guys have adapted because making themselves accessible. I think one of the things we were always proud of is, and especially when we opened up our new guidance suite, which was right next to the lunchroom, so kids can easily walk in and out, that accessibility. Um, so, Donna, I know you guys have worked really hard at, at making yourselves accessible. 
Yes, definitely. I was going to say that too, because as Ms. Caputo was saying in regard to the kids and how amazing they are, I have to say that they have been so resilient as well. Um, there was a time, like you said, Dr. Romano, they would just come in from the, the lunchroom or off from the hallway just because they wanted to come and I have a quick question. I just wanted to say hello, or my teacher sent me down. We don't have that availability anymore the way we used to. However, we went as so much as to say, let's have an open hour after school every day because we're not getting that same, you know, in touch with the students. So they're coming on the WebEx. So we're opening up, we're having discussions. So that I actually love because even a, a, a group of kids came in the other day, just a group of them. They were seniors. They came to tell us that they were where they got accepted to. We were so excited because we were happy just to have people in the guidance office because we hadn't had that in so long. But even with the uh, WebEx and the meetings, they're making themselves so available where they're reaching out to us through the emails, through the WebEx, which they never would respond to us in emails. They're now checking their emails. They would never do that before. Check your email. Oh, you didn't email me back. So the communication is a different level, but it's definitely an open level. So we're definitely trying to work and, you know, make sure the kids have what they need, whether it's their transcripts, whether it's the application to college, whether it's still those who haven't applied to college. We're still making ourselves available even though unlike, you know, Mr. China and Ms. Caputo having them in the class all day, we're reaching out to make sure that we're able to speak with them and them with us. And can you, can you speak to what percentage of students you're in touch with? As far as the school counseling? Yeah. Oh gosh, I want to say maybe about 40%, to be honest about 40 to 45% because we have a lot of the seniors that we're definitely in tune with. Our ninth graders, it's a little bit of a tug only because they are still ninth graders coming into the high school for the first time. This is not the typical high school year. It's not. So they're still feeling it out in regard to, well, where are you guys and how can I reach you? We're actually having a parent um, academy um, in about two weeks. We're going to talk to some of the ninth and 10th grade parents. We're uh, in line to go into the ninth and 10th grade gym classes, the one that are here and we're going to work something out where we can reach the remote so that they can see our faces, so that they can know our name, so they can see where we're located, so they can see what we do. What is it that we need from you and what do you need from us? So we're definitely in preparation of that as we speak right now to prepare for that. Interesting. So Ms. Caputo and Mr. China, you're teaching remote and in class at the same time. Is that right? Yes. I mean, this is a big sticking point for a lot of teachers. They just say, this is impossible. The, it's, it's kind of the sticking point for Chicago. Like the Chicago Teachers Union has said, simultaneously teaching in person and online is impossible. Don't ask us to do it. But you've found a way to do it. I know what Mr. China is going to say. And, and I'll say this. And I'll let you say it again, Mr. China. But... Um, you have to, and, and Mr. China is better at this than I am, but you, what you, I, I don't think it's impossible. I think that's, that's not true. I think it's, it has its challenges. It's certainly not easy, right? We have sound problems. Kids talk. They sound like blah, blah, blah. You have to hit mute when they talk so that they don't sound like that. So we don't have the ability to walk around the room like we used to, right? Even staying six feet apart because we have to be close to the mouse. So there, it definitely has its challenges. But look, you have to do it anyway. And we have to make sure that we bring the kids who are at home into the conversation. And I think once the kids know that you're going to hold them accountable from home, um, they will be there and they will 
they will answer. And, you know, I've done things like send emails to kids like, Hey, I just want to say thank you for talking in class today because sometimes you feel like you're dragging it out of the kids at home. They're half asleep in the morning. You can't really see them. They put the camera all different places. It's certainly not easy. I don't want to say that it is, but again, it's accountability and it's, um, and it's just interaction and just making sure they know that you're going to be checking in on them. So if I don't hear from a kid for a couple of days, which we don't let it get that far, there's an email that goes out and say, Hey, where have you been? I haven't heard from you. Right. And so they know that we're watching. Um, and like I said, Mr. China is really good at this. So China, I'll let you say what you do. I know you have your little policy there. Yeah. I mean, I really love my policy and it only works as the kids have bought into it. But I call it every single virtual kid every day. And Kayla probably knows that. Um, and it just works because we've really just established different norms this year. And the kids know that they're expected. I can call them at any time. And I want them, you know, they may not know, always know the answer, but they have to be there and know where we're at. And my policy, and, and I don't know if Kayla can see it or not, um, the kids who are completely virtual, I call on them at least twice a day. And the kids who are on the hybrid model and home that day, I call on them at least once a day. And I mean, I would say probably 90% of the time I get through every kid at least once, uh, usually multiple times. And I mean, Kayla can speak to it if she wants to. But for me, I, look, I, I know I'm not getting 100% from home. I know there's distractions. I'm not naive to think that. But credit to the kids. They are there and they are ready to participate whenever I call on them. And, you know, one of the days I have three kids in class, I have 23 at home. And it really works. It's almost as if we have 26 kids and me, we're all on the same page. And um, it's not easy. You have to establish those norms early. But I really think we run through our class. It's, we've really got it down. And you know, we've been able to, to do what we have to do. Again, not the best circumstances, but we're making it work. And um, you know, it doesn't work. Again, if we don't have the kids who buy into it and are there and, and want to learn and want to participate. I, I want to just jump in and say one more thing that I, I, I have to say that being a parent of kids in high school um, has helped me a lot too. Cause I remember one day we were home for some reason as a teacher, I was home teaching all of my kids on the computer and I had a period off and I walked past my daughter's room and I, I, I heard her on the computer and somebody asked a question and the answer was, and my daughter looked at me and she said, what? And the teacher didn't repeat what the answer was. And my daughter had to say, excuse me, you know, we can't hear you. And that has made me even more cognizant of what the kids at home can hear. So like somebody will answer a question and I'll say, for those of you at home, they just said blankety, blankety, blankety. So, you know, I don't know that I would have had that awareness had I not heard my own children saying, I don't know what the heck they're talking about or what, you know, I can't hear them. Um, Look, it's not easy. I'm going to just repeat that. It's definitely not easy, but I, I, I don't want to hear either that it's impossible because we're doing it. So what about you, Kayla? How, how do you think this is working or? Well, as a student, I actually do feel like the teachers are doing a great job at teaching the students remotely and in school, especially China. Um, He's one of the teachers who actually get all the students to participate in one class. I don't think any of my other teachers are as good as, as he is. But I, I do have a teacher who actually created something called the name wheel. And every single question, she spins the wheel and it'll either call on somebody who's remote or in school and they have to answer the question. Or if they're remote, she kicks them out of the room and they have to come back in, which shows her that 
they were either not there to begin with or that they were just not able to hear her because if they weren't able to hear, they usually come back. Um, but honestly, it's, it's kind of hard to, it's not easy to learn remotely and participating remotely. It's very difficult to hear the other students, even when the teachers mute themselves. Um, it's not always easy. They do come out muffled a lot of the time. And when teachers teach, um, sometimes there's connection issues. Sometimes they just are maybe a little too far from the computer and it's really hard to hear them. And it's even harder to hear the students who answer in class. So when teachers don't repeat what the students say, it's almost impossible to know what they say. Like you just have to make a guess or somebody has to unmute themselves and like tell the teacher. And with WebEx, there's this, um, they have this feature where you can raise your hand and not all the teachers know how it works. So some teachers, you'll actually raise your hand to ask them a question or to answer a question and participate. And to them, it'll look like nobody's doing anything. Um, and it makes, it makes participation really difficult. It, it clearly frustrates the teachers because they believe that nobody there is trying to participate. And it also frustrates students. I personally get really frustrated when that happens because I love participating. And when I try to participate and the teacher is getting annoyed at everybody for not participating, it's really frustrating. But I feel like the teachers actually have been like really good at teaching both remote and in-person. I don't think that it would have been as simple as they make it look. Like it, it, it's, it sounds extremely difficult and they make it look super easy. John, Luke, do you have anything to add on that? score oh yeah so um like Kayla said I do think that the teachers are doing an amazing job um of course there are some teachers who are a bit more te technically challenged but I don't think I don't think that there's I don't think that the teachers who are having challenges are like doing terrible you know what I mean there's they're still working just as hard as they always have and the information is still coming through clearly. And I think that's a, I think that's a great thing, especially because, especially in a class like um, math classes where you really have to pay attention and memorize what the teacher is saying. Like I'm taking, I'm taking AP physics and my teacher, he's, he's great at displaying the information in a way that is still understandable from um, on being online. It's a lot easier in person, but the disparity between the online and per online and in person when it comes to um, the teaching and how you get that information is not that is not that far apart. So I really like that and I, I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, so it kind of it kind of helps with um, like it kind of helps with what I said before, where the atmosphere is different. Um, the way that the teachers are teaching using WebEx and using online learning is really helping me to adjust. So, Dr. Romano, this has been a heck of a year to be a principal. <laughs> um, can you talk, like, can you take it up a level and talk about how this year has gone? Uh, they, they, there was a reference to you opened a little late. Uh, you want to talk about that? That's the one thing we talked about. <laughs> Do I have to talk about that, Paul? I, I think know, it would so be good. I think it would be a good thing. 
been, uh, it's, it's certainly been a challenging year to say the least. Um, I have an incredible group of colleagues um, who are extremely supportive and listen, everyone was 100% all in. So the summer's a little bit rough, you know, waiting for, for our governor Cuomo to, you know, he was supposed to make a decision that was kind of give us some guidance. So we sat around most of July talking about the what ifs and trying to read, you know, all the information on what we can do. Um, and it seemed one day you'd read one thing and the next day it'd be a little bit different. Then it would change two or three weeks later. Um, on top of that, we had a new superintendent starting August 1st. Um, and then lo and behold, you know, Governor Cuomo makes the announcement, which was basically what the schools were going to do, whatever they kind of wanted to do. And then he gave us like two or three weeks to do that. So it was full speed ahead and, um, you know, creating a schedule, getting the building ready. And, um, you know, I think it was uh, during our conference, um, I had a little bit of a cough. And that's not unlike me to have a little bit of a cough. And uh, being exhausted, certainly we were working around the clock, so that wasn't uncharacteristic either. And uh, lo and behold, you know, my wife uh, told me that she tested positive on Saturday uh, because my in-laws tested positive and they were watching my kids on Friday. And uh, there I was on Sunday night finding out that I was positive as well. So here we are on opening day just about. And uh, the principal of the high school uh, tested positive. And, uh, you know, due to contact tracing the entire leadership of the building, I mean, I was everywhere. And I worked very closely with my administrators. So there was no building level, you know, leadership. And you can imagine that this is the first time that we're back together as a school and somebody tested positive. And there was a lot of unanswered questions. Um, so we did close. Um largely because of contact tracing to teachers. So here we are, you know, we're out and um, the principal being, you know, I felt like we worked so hard to keep everyone safe and, and uh, it was a little bit embarrassing and a little bit disappointing. I felt that like I let down a lot of people, but I have to say from that experience, as close as I was to people, um, no one got sick. And we still look at all the instances in our school and there were many where people have tested positive, were in the building, and it did not spread. I, I assume you were all wearing masks. Masks, and, and, you know, the biggest things is, is, is you know, the mask, uh, wearing your mask, you know, keeping your distance. Um, critical, because if we look back, and we did have several teachers test positive, we had several students test positive, and not once did it spread within the building. So I know you hear a lot of the research um, a lot of it comes out in the news that schools are safe. Um, well, we're a testament to that, that schools are safe. And if you follow the procedures and protocols, um, you, you can be safe. And uh, that, that was probably the shining moment when we look back and say, we must be doing something right. And schools are a safe place to be. And uh, it'd be nice if we can get all the students back sooner than later. Um, you know, right now it's a little bit difficult because the numbers in New York are on the rise, the numbers in Nassau County are on the rise as they are in the rest of the country. And hoping this new strain doesn't derail us, you know, put us back to where we were last March. Um, so uh, it's been rough. It's, it's been interesting, to say the least. So is New York planning on uh, vaccinating teachers and educators? Well, today, as... today was the first day. Actually, Monday. Was it Monday? The first, but yesterday was the first day. Um, I know I signed up today. I'm not sure if my colleagues on, on here did. I know a lot of uh, teachers and ministries that, that I've spoken to did sign up. But we're as far as the lead as right now, I think this morning it was as far out as March 20th. So I'm sure by now it's you can get the vaccination by July. So it's a little bit of a slow moving process. 
And, um, and that's if everyone decides to get it. Are you going to require that of your teachers and administrators? Uh, we haven't had that discussion. Okay. That sounds like a discussion to have. I know the airlines are saying they're going to do that, so that might change things. <laughs> <laughs> it might. It might. Um, so, so, Kayla and Jean-Luc, I'm going to say, I'm going to ask you, you know, are your families concerned about you going into schools? Um, well, in my house, um, I know my parents were a little concerned about me going back, especially my mother, um, who's kind of like me in a way. Um, in public, we just kind of stay away from people because we're both scared of contracting the virus, which actually ended up happening. But um, yeah, but... It's, Are you saying you you got the you got COVID? Yeah, it was out of school. It wasn't related to school. I got it on Thanksgiving from one of my family members and ended up spending the entirety of December as a virtual student. Well, I'm glad to know you're better. Oh, thank you. Um, but my parents were a little concerned. I think they understood that for me, especially a person who gets distracted very easily, I couldn't be completely virtual because I would essentially learn nothing and it would be really hard for me to keep up with my classes. So they understood that I needed to go in in order to get like make the most out of this school year. My mom actually gave me like Clorox and bleach wipes that I wipe down my desk with every day. And um, I only go to class in two different rooms. But even though I'm the only one who sits there in the corner of the room, I always wipe down my desk because it's like a rule in my house that I have to do it. And they're not as concerned now because I think out of everybody in my household, I'm the most concerned about the cleanness of the school and like the people, like I think I'm the most concerned. So they're not super concerned because they know that when I go into public, I'm extra cautious, but there's still that underlying concern. And I still have like specific rules that I have to follow. Like, like I have to wear my mask no matter who I'm around. I have to make sure I wash my hands the minute I walk into the house and I can't touch anything until I wash my hands. I have to walk around with hand sanitizer. It's a lot of different rules, but I don't think they're as concerned as they were since the beginning of the school year because Malvern has proven to be pretty trustworthy when it comes to the clean, clean, cleaning of the classrooms and like just overall procedures of keeping students safe. That word trust is really important. Jean-Luc, how about your family? Um, so my family, we were never really scared of the virus. Like, okay, so my dad is a lab technician in a hospital. He runs the lab. And so he's working with, he was working with the coronavirus like pretty much daily. Um, so he's very knowledgeable about how to keep safe. He brought home uh, boxes of masks and nitrile gloves for us to wear. Um, so we're, we were very, um, very smart when it came to um, preparing ourselves. So he, and he trusted me enough that when I went to school, um, I would keep, keep safe and he trusted the school enough that they would take the proper precautions as they have to keep all the students safe. Um, at, uh, it's, it's not funny, but I would say something kind of um, ironic is that even though my dad worked with the coronavirus on a daily basis, he never got the virus, whereas everybody else in my family, including me, 
got the virus. I w- um, although I was asymptomatic, but the rest of my family got um, felt the symptoms. Uh, and this all happened before school. This was during the summer. Um, so thankfully, everybody's fine. Um, but I think because we went through that before school started, we were all in sort of a better headspace on how to deal with possible infection um, going forward. Um, so yeah, I wasn't. We weren't really too concerned when it came to um, possible infections in the school and um, the coronavirus. Well, that's a lot of COVID, right? Like that's three out of six. But I didn't even ask Ms. Kudo, Mr. China, and Ms. Bailey. Have your families experienced COVID? Not yet, thankfully. Well, three out of six is quite significant, it seems like. Um, My sister-in-law actually had it, but no one close to me otherwise. But they're coming closer every day. Yeah, and this new strain, I mean, the one thing that we had going for us was it, it wasn't all that transmissible. I mean, it was transmissible, but, you know, you could manage it. They're not really sure about that uh, with this new these new strains, so that's concerning. But the virus, the vaccine is on the horizon. If we can just learn how to distribute, it's really quite remarkable that we've gone from. Uh, I th- I think I read that New York City vaccinated forty seven mil- uh, four million people in a week uh, in the in the 50s and now you know it's taking like it's we're now measuring it in the thousands rather than the millions um so when you finish this school year what are you all going to remember um let's let's start with the students what are, what are you going to remember out of this school year you know um <laughs> honestly other than the fact that you know we were vir- we were virtual half the year and we're still virtual now, I think the thing I'm going to remember most is the unity, because strangely enough, I think this year has brought us together more than we ever have been, because this is a situation that applies to all of us. You know, it, it's something that we can all bond over, as terrible as it is. All of us have been affected by the virus and affected by um, the ramifications of the virus. So we're all, I'm talking to my friends a lot more than I did, than I used to. I'm talking to new people a lot more than I used to. And everyone's maturing together because of it. So I think that's what I'm going to remember most about this year, about the school year. What about you, Kayla? Um... Weirdly, I think what I'm going to remember about this year is the isolation that I feel. Um, I do feel like I was able to, you know, build like a unique kind of relationship with my classmates this year and with my teachers this year. But since this pandemic started and school, the school system changed, I've actually grown more distant with my friends. Um I don't really have a close relationship with my classmates as I usually would. I'm close, like it's a unique relationship, but I'm not necessarily close with the students in my class and I spend all day with them, which is really weird to me. And it feels like I'm kind of like trapped at home. And even when I go to school, it kind of feels like we're just isolated in a little bubble 
with the same people consistently. And none of my other school years have been like this. I always switch classes. I, I actually never had the same schedule as anybody throughout my entire high school career. So it's weird to have the same schedule as everybody else and to just be with the same people. It feels a little lonely, especially because I'm not super close with my classmates as I had hoped I would be. So I think the biggest thing that I remember is the loneliness that I kind of feel as a result of the pandemic and the new school system. I think you two both, like you're on the, you're both reflecting some real, you know, uh, some real uh, experiences. What about you, Ms. Bailey? What are you going to remember? I think I'll probably remember um, being grateful for the things that I took advantage of before. The, the normal things, as we would say, quote unquote, normal of being able to get up and go see your friends or uh, talk to your 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 friend your your relatives. You know, go to their houses. Now it's hey, did you get a COVID test before you can? Go there? Let's just make sure you're good. Um, I think that's what I will remember most. What I will not grant it at all. I appreciate the being able to just go over to you and give you a hug. I'm a very touchy-feely person and I love doing that and not being able to do that. I had to restrain, you know, I'm an empathetic person. I'm compassionate. I like to see, well, what's wrong with, you know, and in doing that, it's, it's hugs and I can't do that. So I think I'll remember that tenacity, you know, being resilient for the students and for all of us. Mr. China. Yeah. I think that word of resilience is really a good word. Um, I mean, look, you hear so many teachers and so many people across the nation talking about this being a lost year. And it's really been anything but that at Malvern. We are working hard. Our kids are doing amazing things. And, um, you know, they've shown resiliency. They've shown patience. They've shown understanding and flexibility. And as Miss Bailey said, I can't wait to get back to the things that used to drive me crazy. Getting stuck behind a bunch of kids trying to get to my class. A kid acting goofy in class. All those things that used to drive me crazy. Uh, I would pay a million dollars to have that back in school and have that regular experience again. Ms. Caputo, how did, are you are you missing the kids who drove you crazy? Um, no, they're still there. Uh, they find a way, right? Uh, I, you know what? I'm going to say what everybody else said, I guess. I agree with what everybody else said. Um, I think I'm going to remember the camaraderie of this year, too. I have to say it. I think you know, all the teachers got kind of, we got put into the library so that we could be six feet apart from one another. Um, that's been one of the highlights of my year is um, getting to know some of my coworkers better, people in a different department that I didn't ever see because we were isolated in our classrooms before. And the collaboration, just the support that we've given each other, conversations about how to better support kids, bouncing ideas off of one another. I think it's made me feel um, less lonely to Kayla's point, because I think this whole experience has been, has been very lonely for a lot of people and myself included in a lot of ways. I miss the kids who are home. Um, and I think the camaraderie with the students too, it's a shared experience, like Jean-Luc said. And so it's different. I definitely am looking forward to September to go back to the way it was, like Ms. Daly said, I'm excited for that. But I'm also trying to just appreciate every day that we have right now with the students that I have in front of me. And um, yeah, I think that's what I'll remember the most is how we kind of made it through together. And Dr. Romano. And I'll tell you, you know, in the, in the summer, you know, really what it came down to was putting cameras in the rooms, which was a huge obstacle for us to overcome getting the cameras in the classroom because now that students were home, right? 
they were they were in the classroom through the camera and watching what was going on in the classroom. I and mean, granted, it was just on the board, but they can hear and they can participate in the classroom. I mean, so that was a big hurdle for us to get over. So you're saying a camera in addition to the computer camera, a, a camera that yeah, so a basically had a camera hanging from the ceiling, from the ceiling, and based on the board. But the kids now, because of the camera, it's really they they can interact, so they can talk in the classroom. And then we, we moved up to a digital feed. So whatever I'm showing on my, my iPad will go directly to the students. So we kind of knocked out the camera, but they can still hear. So, I mean, that was, that was a big hurdle to overcome, you know, because putting cameras in classrooms, I mean, that was a big no-no. I mean, you would never, we would never have seen that if it wasn't for the pandemic, um, putting cameras in classrooms. And that was like, at first when we talked about it in July, it was like, no way, you know? Uh, but, you know, there was really no other way to do it. And our new superintendent came in and said, listen, you're doing 180 days of instruction. So what we were originally thinking was, you know, kids would come in on an A day, right? And you teach that lesson. Kids come in on the B day, you teach the same lesson. She's like, oh, no. So, you know, that, that kind of facilitated it. And then, I, you know, the unions in New York, the NYSIT, um kind of backed down off that fight as well. So there's really no other way to do it you know, unless you put the cameras in the classroom, but it's, it's difficult. Like, well, I took Brian's class and I wanted to see what my teacher were up against. And I was sweating. I was hitting the wrong buttons. Yeah. You know, I, I bet Kayla was laughing. I couldn't see her on the screen, but I know she was in the class and uh, they all got a kick, but he says like, you know, you look like me when I first started. So it does get easy. I'm like, I don't know. I was exhausted. I don't know how you guys do it. So it's, it's, it's definitely, they, I thought they made it sound a little bit easy, but I wanted to say for your listeners that, um, you know, they're, they're just genuine passion and, and genuine love and care for the kids is really what makes the difference. I mean, they're just tenacious. Um, and that's a good majority of my, my, my teachers. So, yeah, I think, I think when we look back, um, I think we're going to look at our strength. Um, what we've done over the past nine months is quite amazing. And I think, you know, we try and sit back now as an administrative team and, and talk about how far we've come. And uh, we've really come a long way. And I think when we're out of this pandemic looking back, I think we're going to be blown away at how strong we were and how, you know, the strength strengthened our bonds, you know, overcoming the adversity. But I tell you, I will have a tremendous appreciation for getting back to school life because I miss, I miss, you know, homecoming. I miss football games, the band competitions, kids in the hallway. I don't even have a behavior problem. I don't even have a discipline incident to be able to do. So uh, a tremendous appreciation for that because I miss it. Uh, tremendously and uh, it's, it's probably been the hardest part teachers you guys have you know the opportunity to interact with students um, I'm gracious for the teachers that allow me to jump into their classrooms and talk to the kids and try and teach a little bit um, and the opportunities you know we're doing conferences and to interact with the students because I miss that a lot it's kind of been it's kind of been difficult under this under the scenario to do that so a great appreciation well I, I really appreciate your all taking the time uh, to have this conversation, and um, uh, I think I think you you all exemplify as I knew you would the strength of Malvern. One of the worries I have about doing this podcast is that I'm talking to some of the best educators in the country, in my opinion, some of the most effective, most successful. That's not necessarily the norm, and you know, the amount of trust, the amount of uh, resiliency that you all have 
isn't necessarily shared around the country. So, but at least I feel like I'm putting you guys out there as, as an example of what is possible, not, a, not necessarily what exists all over the country. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. So that wraps up this episode of the Education Trust podcast, Extraordinary Districts in Extraordinary Times. If you'd like to learn more about Malvern, I hope you'll read the chapter in Schools That Succeed, published by Harvard Education Press in 2017. If you have suggestions for what you'd like to hear about in this podcast, you can email extraordinarydistricts at edtrust.org or tweet at edtrust or me at Karen Chenoweth, K-A-R-I-N-C-H-E-N-O-W-E-T-H. I want to thank everyone at EdTrust who supports this podcast, including Robin Harris, Nicole Grayson, and Takira Winfield-Dixon, Jack Fleming, and Keith Curry. And thank you to the Wallace Foundation for providing financial support. Thanks, and see you next time.